0: Good evening. It is good to see everyone out tonight. Thank you for coming out. Uh, The singing has, I've enjoyed it. I hope you all have been benefited from from the singing, have been encouraged. Um, Tonight, the title of the lesson, I know I put, uh, uh, was Jesus racist or woke? The, The Title that I actually have for the sermon is "Was Jesus Woke?" If there's any cringeworthy terms that's used in this lesson, it's 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 that modern idea of the wokeness that that we have in our society. I'll tell you, it, you know, our language evolves, and sometimes uh, even people like me, as young as I am, sometimes I'm stuck in my ways. And I remember when that word first started getting thrown around in that sense. And at first, I didn't quite understand it, but then I started to attribute it to uh, like political correctness and stuff like that. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that. And so anytime I hear that word woke, it just sends a shiver up my spine. But then as I've studied, right, and so you know, we need to have a balance of lessons in regards to uh, topics that involves our culture and and the way that we speak, the way that we live. And you would be surprised as to how many people truly believe that Jesus at one point was, in fact, racist. I've seen some alleged Bible teachers say that uh, up until the point of, if you want, you can turn your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 7. I guess I can go ahead and do that. Mark chapter 7 up until this instance he was prejudiced that he was insensitive that he was racist and that threw me for a loop and then and so uh, some of the modern teaching is is that after this uh, what happened here with this gentile woman the the uh, this Syrian woman the Syrian Phoenician woman that then the light bulb clicked in the head of Jesus. It's like, really? God on foot needed a light bulb to go off in his head for him to recognize injustice? And so after this instance, Jesus woke up, quote unquote. However, I submit to you, before we even read the text that there's no evidence uh, that would even suggest that Jesus was woke. And we're going to look at three different examples. I believe it's three, if I remember my outline to the T. Uh, Just three basic examples that would throw out that ideology and uh, try to shut that door to that type of a thought. And so here in Mark chapter 7... We have, uh, starting at verse 24, going through verse uh, 30, Uh, we have Jesus uh, coming from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had been, who had an unclean spirit, immediately came and fell at his feet. And now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrian-Phoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her. And so look at Jesus' response here in verse 27. And and you need to be careful, because you need to really know what you're looking for. Was he being insensitive? Was he being racist? Was he being... uh, A bigot, right? That's a term that sometimes is thrown around. Was he being discriminatory? And so he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And depending on your translation, it may render it to the little dogs. And so, but she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. Now, what I want us to see, and then, you know, we won't, we won't stay in this text all night, is is that when Jesus utilized that term dog, right? Depending on your translation, if you're using a literal one, it's just going to render it dog. It doesn't say little dog. Jesus actually uses a word that kind of softens the blow because in regards to from the Jewish mindset towards Gentiles, guess what? That's actually how Jews felt about the Gentiles. That they were just no, no better than dogs. Yet Jesus softens the blow. He doesn't call her a literal dog. He uses a term that, that renders it. And like I said, it softens the blow. It makes it where he's not speaking as harshly as most Jews would in reference to Gentiles. But he's also setting up, he's painting a picture. Because he's introducing to, to them... The idea that the work of Christ is coming and even the little dogs, those, or from the Jewish perspective, those sorry dogs, as Jews would look at it, they're going to benefit from the work of Christ. Uh, if you will, real quick, let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And, and this actually transpires... Uh, with the apostles, with Peter. And they have to have a wake-up call, per se. Here in Acts chapter 10, you have Cornelius in his household and Peter's preaching the gospel to them. Yet the Holy Spirit falls upon this Gentile household. And it's awfully strange for for Jews to see that, because wait a minute. From the Jews' perspective, they've had the law of God. They've benefited from His blessings. And you're telling me that these dogs are now going to receive the same spirit as we have? Absolutely. Let's look at this. Let's start at verse, uh, we'll just start at verse 39. Acts 10 verse 39. So Peter's preaching the gospel. He says, We are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. And God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible. Not to all the people, but to the witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who had been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. Now, again, that's referencing the Jews. So, all the Jews were amazed. Why? Look at this, verse 45 because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. These dogs, to Jews, have no right to receive the same blessing as. The chosen people, quote-unquote. For they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. And then Peter answered, look at this, he says, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? Because that was the, that was the typical view. Well, we can't go out baptizing these Gentiles. Not even baptism can wash away their sins. And so now the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon these Gentiles and Peter makes the point, how can we, how can anybody stand in the way and refuse to baptize these individuals? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and then they asked him to stay on for a few days. And so again, just to reiterate, there's no evidence in the New Testament that would suggest that Jesus all of a sudden became woke, quote-unquote, after this. If you go back to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1... We see John affirming this very truth, this very fact in regards to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then you go on to verse 9. There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were of his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. Who is he referencing there? He's referencing those dogs. He's referencing the Gentiles. And then you see there in verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory, glory as the glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. You mean to tell me that it takes a Gentile woman to waken Jesus up? No. That is, that's a farce. That's a lie. So here's the question. What is being woke? Well, the concept of being woke is this. It's to be alert and aware of injustice and discrimination in society. And so a lot of people tend to flock towards racism. Right? That's the concept of what being woke is, if you look it up. However, that is not the definition that many people use. The definition that many people use is this number two. What it really means is full acceptance of everything. And I do mean everything. Notice how the LGBTQ, and then it says I, and then plus, because you just keep adding letters. They just, add, they just continue adding to it. You've got binary, non-binary, you've got all kinds of different things that they're now talking about. But you've got those rights, you've got abortion, you've got same-sex marriage. I mean, and the list just goes on and on. But being woke for so many people is the acceptance of all of these practices. So let's look at a few examples tonight, and then we'll draw the lesson to a close. In Matthew 5, 44... It is said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So these are people that, that kind of, they go against the grain, right? They, they make the hairs of your neck stand up because they don't agree with you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Woke culture does not do any of that. Now, I'm not saying we've perfected it. I know we haven't. If we had, I would stop preaching on it. (laughs) So I don't ever see us perfecting this ideology. I see us trying to get better and better each and every day. That's what we need to be doing. However, we know what they do. They try to cancel anything and anyone who crosses them. If you even so much as to come near their toes, oh, no, no, no. That's going to get you thrown off the set. That's going to get you thrown off of the interview. That's that's just, or whatever the case may be. You're not going to be included into the discussion. That's the end of the matter. Was Jesus woke? By today's culture and standards, absolutely not. Jesus says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Guess what? There's so many people who claim to be persecuted by Christianity and yet what do they try to do? There's some people who go so far as to try to physically attack you for thinking differently than them. So who's woke now? Let's go to John 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes through the Father but through me notice that it's jesus that says that he is the way he is the truth he is the life. yet our culture would tell you no that's not true you have your way you have your way the other person in the back of the room they have their own way we each have our own way to get to heaven Was Jesus woke? By today's standards, no. He told them there's one way to the Father, and that's through Him. You know, I've utilized this example before, but even in religion, in the denominational world, you know, I've even heard them teach it from this perspective that Christianity is like a bicycle rim with all the different spokes, right? You know, some people would like, they'd put like playing cards in the spokes to make it sound like they had a little motor on the bicycle. as they right, go as they're riding their bike. So all these different spokes, and Jesus is in the center. He's the center of the spokes. They all lead to him. And so you've got all your different kinds of religions, all your different sections, all your different denominations. And it's funny how they they embrace everybody except for like the Church of Christ. They They don't include the Churches of Christ. They just call us cults. Because we teach that there's only one way to heaven. Not two, not ten, not a hundred, but one. Who's woke now? Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, Paul in this text is teaching the gospel of Christ. He's teaching the principles of the gospel of Christ... And he's demanding purity just as Jesus demands purity. So 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10. So the question is, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves... Nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, I put here that Jesus demands purity and condemns any and all forms of sexual expression outside of marriage. And that is, in fact, true. However, this isn't talking about just things within the marriage and outside of the marriage. Because he talks about thieves and being covetous and drunkards. Right? So that's not necessarily on the... But, what does that tell you? That there's a sense of purity. A thief is not to be called pure. Someone who covets should not be called pure. That's the point. Jesus and the Apostle Paul, Paul... The Apostle Paul is just going right along with the principles and the standards of Jesus Christ. And he says, you have to live pure lives. See. And he's saying that you can't do any of these things. And if you do any of these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yet, what does our society tell us to do? Our society tells us to do what makes you happy. Now, I just simply wish that if people would be happy about going to heaven, that they would just read the Bible and say, oh, this makes me happy. Believing in, following the will of God makes us happy. But it doesn't. It makes them miserable. Because the gospel convicts people. It, causes, it teaches. It clearly teaches that you cannot live in a particular manner. You have to give up the things that separate you from God. You have to give up the sin the things that you find most precious in your life, if it's not Jesus and if it's not God, then guess what? You have to give it up. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's why so many people live miserable lives. Because they're being force-fed a lie. Do what makes you happy. And so many people would be happy with God, but they're not happy with the instructions that God's left for them. And they're not accepting of it. And they live in rebellion and denial. And the dangers of denial, I won't even remind you. We talked about that in length this morning. So here's my final point. And I've said it before here, so this shouldn't be a surprise. This this is not a term that that you've never heard before. But people who are worshipping Jesus right here, right now, today. Not necessarily here, but in other places. They're not worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping Mises. Now, Mises supports wokeness. Mises is woke. Mises goes against the standard of the Lord. Jesus does not because He says that He is the way. He says that He is the truth. He says that He is the life. No one goes to the Father but through Him. Just as Jesus was crucified in His culture in the first century, guess what? You don't think He wouldn't be crucified today? You've got another thing coming. They would have captured Him and killed Him before they even took Him to the courthouse today. With the way that He taught nobody would have a thing to do with jesus philippians chapter 1 verse 29 for to you it has been granted for christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake we're not called to be woke we're called to stand for the truth we're called to have faith in jesus christ Uh, As uh, I referenced having faith in Christ, that always brings back Hebrews 11 and 6 to my mind. And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seeks Him. The sufferings that woke culture wants to have you avoid is the sufferings that we are told that we must go through. Just as Christ suffered, so should we. If we live by the standard of the gospel, then guess what? The world's not going to like you. Now, if you are of the world and you're no different than the world, they're not going to harass you. They're not going to belittle you. They're not going to attack you because you're just like them. But if you are of God, if you are of the Spirit... If the Spirit is truly dwelling within you and the teachings of it, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb and the world's going to try to eat you alive. And you can do one of two things. You can be fearful of it and you can give in and just say, you know what, this fight isn't worth it anymore. I want my peace. And yet, what does God say about peace? Go back to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God works within us and through us if... We are faithful in Christ. He does not if we are not faithful in Christ. Was Jesus woke? Absolutely not. Was He truthful? Absolutely. Did He stand for the truth? Absolutely. Did He exemplify it? Teach it? Was He a hypocrite? No, He was not a hypocrite. But He did teach it. He exemplified it. He lived a pure and holy life without sin. Woke culture wants you to remain in sin, and they want you to do it while you're on the road paved to eternal condemnation. Yet Jesus gives us a way out. For those who may be here who have yet to render obedience to the gospel... He gives us away. He tells us that if we confess Him before men, He will confess us before His Father who is in heaven. If we repent, and as we studied this morning, we know what repentance is as far as biblically is concerned. That it's a turning from sin and it's a going to God. And it's evidenced in our life. We have faith and we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that He was resurrected from the dead. And we are buried with him in baptism to have our sins washed away, we can be made new. We can be healed. And we can start our journey of making heaven our home. If we've already done that, and then we realize that we've stumbled upon the way, we've gotten off the road. Instead of being on the straight and narrow path, we are on the broad way that leads to destruction. The song that we are about to sing is the question, Who at my door is standing? Who is it? Are you allowing Jesus to stand outside of your door and not answering? Or are you going to answer his call? If you need the prayers of the congregation or you need to talk to someone, whatever it is, we want to be there for you. We want to show you and encourage you. Let let us prove it. Let us prove to you that we are not here to be judgmental. We're not here to be hateful. We're here to just take as many people as possible to heaven as we can. That is our goal. That is our purpose. It's not to be mean, and it's not to judge anyone. So you shouldn't be fearful. You shouldn't be scared. You should not be embarrassed. One step is all it takes. If you're subject to our public invitation, won't you come while together we stand and while we sing the invitation song?